0: Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast. This is Chris at Lightforce, the regular guy coming to you through your headphones or your uh, loudspeaker. I, mean, I hope there's people who actually listen to us, you know, in a open environment. But joining me, as he usually does, is Omni, at Strafe on Twitter. How you doing there, Omni?
1: I'm pretty good, Chris. How about yourself?
0: Not too bad. We were just talking before we clicked the record button at. uh... We're, well, at least I'm fighting a, a bug. And uh, one of the things that I have is a little one running around. And I, I have come to realize that daycares are simply government sanctioned biological research facilities. My daughter gets okay. the stiffles. I come home and I get the plague.
1: Yeah. Well, it happens sometimes. It's a transitional season. I've also channeled my internal Canadian when did some snowshoeing yesterday uh, outside go, of Vancouver. I actually, felt worse before I did it. Now I kind of feel like my uh, cold kind of went away on its on its own.
0: Where'd you uh, go snowshoeing?
1: Uh, around Cyprus. Cyprus. Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, I can't say I've been snowshoeing in Cyprus. I've been up to to Mount Seymour uh, and uh, ultimately did enjoy myself. I haven't been there for a long time. Uh, Speaking of snowshoeing, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vancouver Titans a little bit later, but that'd be a purely Canadian experience for the Titans, wouldn't it be?
1: Uh, Yes, I'm sure to find it quite fascinating, as I did uh, find it myself when I uh, first did it about a year ago. It's, it's the true Canadian experience, uh, save <laughs> yeah. for the fact that, you know,
0: you didn't have a canoe that you carried on your head to portage across the, uh, the mountain valleys and what have you. But, uh, on this episode to get back on track, cause no one ever tunes in. They'll hear it talk about it. Uh, hear us talk about snowshoeing.
1: No? Uh, oh no. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now coming to you next time is reset pon snowshoeing podcast. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that we now know what the Vancouver Titans giant uh, jerseys are going to look like. Man, I'm going to mix up all the Vancouver franchises at some point. Uh-huh. Uh, beyond that, we haven't had a whole lot to, uh, from the Titans. The uh, Twitter account is somewhat alive. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We've got some thoughts on what might be going on in the world of the Titans, and then we're going to jump into uh, everything else that is Overwatch related. We've got a few things to talk about. So uh, without any further ado, let's get to our regular segment the payload moving the payload join me so omni you're the uh, the design guy you know you did uh the brand review for all the expansion franchises so i would imagine when the vancouver titans jersey was released this was something that uh, you were quite hyped for
1: mm-hmm. it's what interesting your- because i was expecting to see that like the other teams uh, revealed their jersey officially on the overwatch league uh, website where they do Uh, The 2019 team previews, and there you see that like four um, mock-up jerseys of uh, Crusher and the 99 number. And Mm -hmm. it just came out of nowhere on their Twitter with that fancy 3D simulation, abs and pecs and all. (laughs) And I like how it looks, uh, both versions. Mm, Yeah.
0: You know, and it's funny you mentioned it sort of just came out of random. On Twitter, so uh, a uh, you know a listener of ours, uh, uh, the Kate Loomer, she had tweeted at Harsha, saying, "Hey, you know, when are we going to hear see your Jews jerseys?" He responded soon, mm-hmm. TM, like apparently soon's trademarked, <laughs> and no word of a lie. I think it was within like an hour or two. The Vancouver Titans go and tweet out. You're right that sort of the 3D visual of the home and uh, away jersey, which I quite frankly like the home over the away myself, but um, it is different. This isn't the way other teams yeah. have gone and and released the information. It's being released through the Overwatch League website. It's being released as part of the the team reviews, which there isn't one yet for the Vancouver uh, Vancouver Titans, which I'm you know also somewhat surprised by. But beyond the the jersey itself, nothing much
1: more came out of that uh, that Twitter account in the last uh, two weeks. Right. I think uh, with our uh, team, at least how it has been going so far, we can just uh, expect the unexpected, <laughs> as Hanso usually says.
0: <laughs> the um, we were talking again before we clicked the record button about this too, but. Many of the other teams have already have their players over uh, in North America, uh, most right. being down in Los Angeles. Not all, like let's make it very clear. Um, you know, some of the some of the teams are still elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Vancouver Titans, to the best of your ability, where do you believe the Titans currently are?
1: Uh, from spying on their accounts in Twitch, it is it looks like all of them are still in Korea. We had. A proper confirmation when we saw them sitting and cheering on uh, the current iteration of Runaway competing in the finals. But uh, yeah, uh, watching Twilight, Haksal, uh bumper they're all still streaming from Korea on Korean servers, Korean Times. Apparently, they're all still there. Which, again, I mean,
0: it doesn't mean anything that they are. It does seem somewhat odd in my opinion that they're not already here um, if they are scrimming uh, that is completely off book mm-hmm. and it must be happening you know in Korea and I would assume against um, another you know Korean team it would make sense that they would be on a on same servers mm-hmm. uh, you alluded to the fact that they were cheering on uh, Runaway 2.0 I don't know what we would call new Runaway considering we have old Runaway But, uh, it, it's again, odd in my mind. Now we talked about this through Twitter and in previous episodes that there's a lot that goes into bringing these, these players over to North America and the big, Component to that is the work visa. Ultimately, they need a visa to perform their job in the United States. And we've already seen a couple of players uh, within Overwatch League uh, have their visas held up. So they haven't been able to join the rest of their team in LA. We know nothing about the Titans. Again, we're simply spitballing here. Maybe it's all part of the master plan and everything is okay. Is it possible that this is visa related? Like, is it possible that it's organizational? Is it possible that, you know, we're simply barking up the wrong tree for the sake of barking because we don't know what to talk about?
1: (laughs) Definitely the last one for sure. But I assume that it's probably not visa related, seeing as how Runaway itself, uh, I mean, the Titans are a unit. And it's not like looking at, well, bringing an example with Effect who had problems uh, from the Dallas Fuel. It's like they have one player who comes from Korea, and they have a lot of players coming from all over the place, while Runaway or the current iteration of uh, Titans, they all come as a unit from uh, Korea. And I think that um, people who manage or run the Titans now, they are well aware of it uh, seeming as... They're not even from the U.S. It's a, it's a Canadian-based uh, uh, team. And even if they were all Canadian nationals, they would have to do that visa process. So I assume they just uh, do the process for all the players at the same time. So there wouldn't be a problem. Remember when they came here for the big reveal? Uh, it looks like they arrived like 48 hours before that at most. And they were <laughs> so tired, too. And I guess they are running a tight schedule in a way. Maybe that's the reason why we still haven't seen them uh, come to LA.
0: Well, from a, a re- the reveal perspective, you're right. They arrived just before. Um, it was probably extremely well-structured because they had to get the video all done up. The, mm-hmm. You know, the interviews, all this good stuff that we talked about in the last episode that we were just eating up that we don't see any of, which is so odd. But, um, from a, a perspective of it being one unit, it could be that, you know, maybe that's how the organization is looking at as they are one unit. And if there was, let's say, a visa problem or a logistical issue that was impacting one of the group, that they're sort of applying that same restriction to the rest of the group for team cohesion, for lack of a, a you know better word. Um, I'm, again, just genuinely curious. And you're right. We are barking up this tree because we have nothing else to talk about. We don't know what's going on. We're not getting the glimpse at the uh, you know team house. We're not getting a glimpse at what they're doing day to day. Um, we don't know when merch is going on sale. Well, we do. We Van Base go there. It's the same merch that was there from the reveal. But there's all these things that the Titans could be doing that they're not. What's crazy about all of this? I've actually had the ownership group of the Toronto Defiance, so Overactive Media, engage with me more often (laughs) than the Vancouver Titans have.
1: Yeah, it would would have been so much easier if everybody else was not getting anything, but everybody's getting all these nice videos and bits of information all the time. That's what makes it even more frustrating to me.
0: Yeah, and I think that's all it is. We just want something, anything. Heck, if they were to just have a tweet a day which was, hello, (laughs)
1: that
0: would be better than the very inconsistent lack of, you know, what seems to be of any plan social program they're they're running right now. But anyhow, we we beat this up every episode. And ultimately, um, I think we've beat it up enough here. So without any further Vancouver Titans news to discuss, let's take a quick break and jump into the fray. There's a lot to talk about here in the fray. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, Overwatch League as well. But the thing that I wanted to discuss a little bit more in depth is something that we had talked about last episode, and that is the PTR patch that is now live. It was uh, made live during the Lunar Festival update. And uh, just to recap what that patch entailed, it was actually three very specific things. One, uh, Divas Defense Matrix has now a two-second cooldown on use instead of one second, so that means you pop it, when you let that button go, whether you've exhausted the shield or not, you have to wait two seconds before you can actually reuse it. Uh, armor, provided by Brigitte's Alts, now only going to last no longer than 30 seconds, and on that 30-second mark, it starts to fade away. And then Reaper, which personally is the biggest one, uh, his Life Steal... Uh, um, uh, effect has been buffed from fifty percent from where it was previously thirty percent of damage. So when Reaper, you know, deals ten damage, he gains five health back. And being that I'm a Rhine main, you don't understand how many times I've become intimate with Reaper and <laughs> had difficulty dealing with him.
1: Yeah. Well, you're obviously. Correct. It looks like even if they labeled this patch the anti-goats uh, patch, it would not have been more obvious as to what they're trying to achieve here.
0: It, you know, and it is, you know, the patch that we're going to see in stage one for Overwatch League is already confirmed by by Nate Nanzer. Um, you know, ultimately, we were talking about this in in Discord. And for those of you who aren't a member of the Ready, Set, Pwned Discord, I encourage you to join us. It's bit.ly slash rspdiscord, bit.ly slash rspdiscord. And we were chatting about how it doesn't immediately change goats per se. There are ways to work around. Um, From a CC perspective, you're still able to control the impact of Reaper either on your backline with your support or your... Front line with the, the tanks that you might be using. Um, I think the, the biggest change is the use of Brigida and her alt. Um, and the fact that, you know, the armor fade now occurs. Uh, D.Va won't necessarily be eating, but I mean, you just, you know, if let's say D.Va is no longer the practical, uh, you know, play for you, there's a Zarya that can fill the need if, need, you know, like there's, there are options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I just feel that overwatch has reached this point where they're starting to patch for competitive play and you know, primarily league. And what we're seeing though, is down in the uh, gutter where I play, this patch has a much different impact. Like, you know, I, I have no problem being a tank main. I'm the guy in in QP that's last to pick because again, I want to, you know, be the team player, but often, you Know it's going to be a tank that I take, and I'm having so much difficulty dealing with Reaper Reaper in someone's hands who can actually play them. I can't kill him, it was short of pinning him, right? Um, or having someone else come and either you know significantly heal me or support me, or we deal enough damage on the point in his alt. It's like next to you know impossible if he, if there's enough you know players around, he just heals himself. Uh, I guess I the question I have for you here is, you know, are we transitioning into a place where the competitive patch will be separate from the, you know, mediocre patch? And what I mean by that is you have your generic play where you have what you have available for quick play, maybe lower competitive ranks or maybe no competitive. Let's just take competitive all in one area. And then you have a patch specific competitive. So the way the heroes um, handle are different, like almost two universes, so to speak. Do you think we've reached that point or will we ever reach that point?
1: I think we will not reach that point, even though some pros are adamant about this, uh, that this is the you know, unavoidable truth that uh, Blizzard needs to face, that you cannot balance this game properly, uh, both for the casual crowds and for the elite uh, upper-tier echelon that is the Overwatch League. But I don't think that Blizzard will ever acknowledge that. It's kind of like their philosophy for this game. And they just offer this playground, and they put it out there for the world to play around in and obviously pros who invest so much more time in that game and who are so mechanically gifted or you know well practiced they will find all the nook and crannies that you and I will never hope to find in a million years is what I'm trying to get to, especially with the assistance of the team analysts that they have and the coaches and everything uh, that goes around it with it but but As to this particular patch, uh, metas do not form in one day. And like we had Dive or like we had the Moth meta, as was labeled um, in the past, this will take time to adapt and see what actually works best. Because right now, the 3 and 3 meta is like, that's what the players are most comfortable with. That's what they are playing best as a unit with. And if there is something out there that will be more viable, we will see it maybe late first round or maybe second round for sure, unless other crazy patch comes out. Because this patch, and you mentioned three things about the Diva Defense Matrix and the armor uh, from Brigida and Reaper, but you've forgotten to mention, maybe i misheard, but there's a huge across-the-board damage reduction from armor. It was reduced from minus 5 to minus 3. Essentially, nerfing all tanks throughout the game, and if and if uh, you you're a tracer main or if you're like a soldier main, you you indirectly receive this buff by doing so much more damage, especially if you have headshots on these tanks who usually mitigate that damage with that armor, and now they're trying to kind of buff all the other uh, like damage ringers because that's what we're looking at here. The pros, the audience, everybody wants to see DPS in play. Obviously, um, healers and tanks have their own set of plays, but it was very apparent that once you don't have any DPS, it's kind of jarring to see your best talent, like uh, your Fledas of the world, uh, your Carpes and whatnot, playing Brigida. Uh, and that's what. Laser is trying to like uh fix here because this is a game that was made to entertain people whether you're playing it or watching it and and i guess uh the big uh, plea from both the pros and the audience is to kind of fix this issue maybe maybe three supports three tanks was always the best option because nobody really wanted to play them before and now that everybody realizes that well hey if you kind of don't have the dps is everywhere and your tanks are tanky they, they can also uh do some damage and uh, if the healers know how to do their job and obviously watch league players can do that job and uh well you don't need that hanzo or tracer or farah you don't need them to win the game that's what matters and that's what people need to to remember they these are professional players and all that they care about is winning at the end of the day obviously they would want to play something else but when you are paid to, to win or to play the game, uh, and, and this is the best meta to do so, we will not, dis- we will not see a change unless uh, somebody will discover that, I don't know, future uh, meta that might be born from this patch or any other uh, future patches yeah and and two things you're right
0: i did not talk about the reduction uh or the damage buff to armor um, or armor reduction the damage the it is huge because you are now able to see um uh, you know uh, players such as uh, Ryan reinhardt and all tanks where where armor was key to their survivability now you know seeing that meltdown a lot quicker as far as the other point that you raised is you're right. The professionals, they are paid to win. Winning is utmost, whatever meta that might be, whether it's, you know, current meta goats or whatever the eventual meta will be, as we'll see. And I think we're going to see meta transitions over the course of the season. It will happen. That will be, uh, the meta that blizzard then has to try to deal with. I think the struggle, and I don't know the solution. And I, I is that when they apply the competitive, you know, uh, to or they look to deal with the competitive meta as it applies to the casual player. I don't think there's ever going to be a way to find true balance. Right. Um, you know, case in point, I we we're talking about this in Discord. How uh, I was saying how I tank and like, you know, I go and jump into a quick play match, and there's already five hard click DPS players, and I'm like, do I heal or do <laughs> I tank? Sometimes I just pick Roadhog where I can do both. It's like I don't care what they do exactly, <laughs> but. You know, it's the change to, you know, that we're, or the changes that we're seeing here doesn't impact the five hard click DPS. When everyone's going deeps at the lower tiers, uh, in quick play and, and, and the like that's goats is never an issue Yeah, where I
1: unfortunate, think, yeah, um, I went off into the philosophical tangent there about what pros, uh. Do, but yeah, for you and I, majority of my games are in DPS. The meta doesn't really matter until I guess you get to like high diamond or something like that. And you could see also in GM streams that like not a lot of teams will go full GOATs right from the get-go because a lot of people are, they're not pros. They still want to have fun. They still want to improve their aim and, and and so forth. And once the team does switch to GOATs, even at the highest tiers of top 500 games, like both teams kind of do that uh that big groan from both sides. Thing. I yeah and, both it, it, goats, yeah.
0: and it's goats versus goats. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is one to go and the other one follows at the at the higher tiers. We're in the lower tiers. One team goes goats and the other are still six deep. Seven if you count Bob. So <laughs> you know it's ultimately a challenge and I I don't understand, you know, um, what Blizzard can do. It'll be interesting to see how I think the season plays out because we do know the Overwatch League seasons do contribute to the development of the game itself. We saw it last year, we're going to see it this year. Using this as a means to segue though into Overwatch League, you caught a tweet that uh, was shared and then quickly deleted.
1: Um care to share what that tweet was? Oh I i didn't really catch that tweet. I caught it on Reddit that someone did. Uh let me find that one. Yeah so Overwatch League, the official Overwatch League um um Twitter account and uh the user for DECA is uh, who you should be crediting here with this find. They have tweeted have we mentioned that this is the last, all caps, <laughs> last opening week at Blizzard Arena ever? Go buy our tickets now. So yeah, that's the big one that they uh, probably revealed a bit too early here.
0: Well, it's interesting because I don't think anyone would be surprised with the talk of there being home or away games in season three, that this might be the last opening weekend. I think when it comes to any type of opener. Openers are always big in traditional sports at the gate. You know, you might have the worst team in the league, but your opening gate always gets Mm -hmm. more through it than, you know, your traditional regular season run of the mill gate. So I'm not shocked by that. It is odd that they share that they delete it and then they replace it with the tweet that says tickets still available. Um, that's weird, but it does bring up the question of one is blizzard in the grand scheme of things looking at phasing out the blizzard arena for what it's used in, in the first year like from a financial perspective is you know blizzard activision or activision blizzard how wish you looking at um, wondering from a numbers perspective that it's better to distribute the events um, or two is it just a matter of this being, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the natural order? Like, again, I still don't understand the need to delete that tweet. Like what did it share that we didn't already know?
1: Uh, It's a classic uh, mid management problem. I assume that some manager said, okay, let's uh, release this big announcement. And then his boss or his boss's boss said, Hey, wait, we're not really ready to reveal that yet because maybe they want to make a big thing out of it. Maybe they want to reveal it during uh, during the actual games, right? That'll be a better uh, place to reveal that huge uh, uh, news. And and to your first question, yeah, I think it's part of the grand scheme of things. The Blizzard Arena, even though it's in LA, or like in, should, I should say in, in California, right and we have a few teams from California, we have three, right? With San Francisco and two LA teams. This is not a home... Uh, it's not a home... Arena for any one of those teams. Even though when we have the Battle of LA, it's really hyped up because it's it's there. It's it's local and it's fine. But even even in season two, we kind of have like a some games played uh, at LA, and these are more officially home games. And and season three is when we expect to see all the teams to have some actual home games, right? So uh, I assume that there won't be really any reason to use. The Blizzard Arena. Perhaps, maybe they will use it for the All Stars or something like that. But, but the proper Overwatch League games will, will have a home team officially, like in in traditional sports. Yeah, and you know, to add an asterisk as well, even those road
0: games in LA aren't actually at the Blizzard Arena. Yep. they're they're at an entirely you know different. Uh, oh, that's exactly that's and, what so.
1: I meant to uh, point out there.
0: Yeah, the third point about this has more to do with the fact that there are the conspiracy theorists, which quite frankly, <laughs> it's not that they're wrong. We're saying,
1: hat.
0: who are saying that actually those home and away games may not actually happen after all. So therefore the blizzard arena will still be used in season three. And, oh. you know, I, I think in some cases, there are facilities in in each of the the different cities that can um, hold these events, where I think it starts to get a little bit more difficult. And this actually has to do with the fact that we you know alluded to earlier is there are visa requirements. There's a lot of logistical yeah. issues that get thrown into the mix when suddenly, Let's say you're, you know, a Korean citizen, you're a Canadian citizen, you're an American citizen, and you suddenly now need to get all this paperwork completed so that you can, you know, actually do your job. So work in the United States, Canada, France, China, Korea, um, right. I it leave any out there like,
1: <laughs> you <laughs> know, about it
0: all these different countries and you know, what's not to say that there isn't another round of kind of expansion next year. We don't know. Right. So, you know, the conspiracy theorists are saying, Hey, the blizzard arena might be here, you know, longer term. We may not see the home openers disappear altogether because you know what? There are going to be some teams that just can't have a home date yet.
1: Right. Right. I, it's it's more of a legal issue here with like what types of visas do you need? Uh, as some of the teams are based in let's say Seoul, so are they are employed by a Korean organization? So when do they when they go to play in in u in the US do they get a US visa a working visa? And I don't know. Maybe it's just like a the organization itself is Korean, so they get paid with uh, Korean currency or something like that, or. It's, it's a lot, a lot of things we really don't know. I mean, a lot of sports out there, like traditional sports, people, athletes, they travel all the time. I'm sure there are solutions to this, just oh, that it's all new for Definitely to, solutions to, to Blizzard and how this uh, is applied to esports. It's a, it's a whole different matter. But like you said, it, it's easy when it's all, say, in L.A. or even in, 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 in Canada a little bit. But once you go out there and you have teams in, in Paris and in, you have three in China now or four, I mean, uh, one in Korea, maybe there will be more. That's, that's a more complex issue, more moving parts for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and I think just to sort of tie the, the logistical or the visa side up in a, in a nice little ball, I'm going to actually use an example Uh, from the Vancouver Whitecaps. So this would be the Major League Soccer organization. Mm -hmm. They previously had a player named Kakuta Mane. And Kakuta Mane uh, was a young kid. Um, I can't remember where he was born, where he was originally from. But he was attempting to get his U.S. citizenship. Now, the difficulty was he was playing for a Canadian-based Major League Soccer team. Mm -hmm. So his place of residence was Point Roberts Washington. Now for those of you who aren't from the the metropolitan Vancouver area or are not familiar with Vancouver. Point Roberts Washington is this small little odd peninsula that ultimately was overlooked when they drew the border way back in the you know was it the 171800s oops. And it to put into perspective it's like the little American a place that all the Canadians go to get into the United States. It's like we're, I was down there yesterday. They have five gas stations. We're talking like small village, five gas stations. Everyone going down there is pretty much Canadian. There's post offices galore. Why? It's because all these Canadians get stuff shipped to the United States, the U S address, pick it up and then bring it back across the border. Well, the reason Kakuta Mane, the player for the Vancouver Whitecaps, lived in Point Roberts, Washington, did not live in, Actually, anywhere near Vancouver was that he was trying to get his US citizenship. And if he were to leave, if he were to not live in the US, let's say his you know place of residence for the season was Vancouver, then that would actually completely derail his effort to get US US citizenship. So there's all sorts of complexity when it comes to you know international travel and that. So considering that you know, I wouldn't say it was straightforward, but that in its own is an example of how crazy it can be. Now we're talking about Korean citizens playing for a Canadian organization, having to work in the United States, right? All sorts of crazy. We we need to get a, we need to get lawyers <laughs> on the podcast. I think. Yeah. That now, now, you know, we're in into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> Let's get ourselves back on track. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, new Runaway briefly. New Runaway, one uh, contender's Korea. Mm-hmm. So, when does New Runaway get picked up in uh, by Overwatch League? Uh,
1: from how it looks, it's probably season three, but I, I don't know if it'll gonna be happening the same way. It's pretty crazy, like seeing how they picked up an entirely new team, and and again, hey, it's it's Runaway. It's odd to name this like this is a repeat, but it's not. <laughs> it's the same uh, pink sweaters we like, but a whole new face. We, we see Flower Vin there, and we see the Titans, the previous uh, mm-hmm. uh, runaway team, cheering on from, from the crowd. But it's impressive how this little uh, uh, organization, little in, in quotations, obviously, but they're still keeping that great culture of, of success and, and, and championships
0: and you know i think if we if you look back um and there was an infographic that was shared um about sort of runaway as an organization the amount of success that they've had uh, it's not as if they have been a dynasty like they're not uh, their first you know essentially quote unquote championship uh was old runaway currently the vancouver titans mm-hmm. you know winning last year and then now you know new runaway Goes and gets themselves, you know, uh at the top of the podium again. And I kinda I kinda wonder, because they are currently the hotness when it comes to the world of contenders, you know, how much other organizations are starting to pay attention uh to, to, to Flower Vin and, and Runner and really what they're doing uh in, in regards to the development or maybe not so much the development, but the identification of elite players. Yes. I think that's what might be most impressive is they're able to find uh you know some of the best. Right. And uh, you know ultimately to sort of you know wrap up my thoughts here uh to quote the great uh, Rick Flair from WWE fame uh to be the best you got to beat the best. Yes.
1: It's interesting, uh, you mentioned, yeah, for the last championship they had, they won twice, like Contenders, the previous, uh, now the Titans, the previous iteration Runaway, but they did manage to come in Apex a second, like three times, mm-hmm. and they, Contenders Season 1 in 2018, they finished like between the third and fourth, which was considered low for them, and it's pretty interesting because outside of let's say Haxal who's been, who's been there from the start. Even the Titans are not like that veteran uh, runaway roster. They always keep adding uh, players uh, and and changing up the scheme, but that factor of being successful is going on with the organization. And we see that a lot in traditional sports, how, how an organization kind of transcends its players and they have a system and they have uh, the entire support structure is really well-made. It's, it's kind of scary to me to even consider that maybe that secret sauce is in it in runaway itself, and maybe they won't be as successful as Vancouver Titans obviously that's not what i'm <laughs> i'm I'm obviously cheering on for the team and I'm hoping that it's not true, but maybe there's a lot of power there in in having uh uh flowervin support the team or having that uh fan base follow you through and through and, and all those experience that they that they have had in, in the past together. Uh yeah, it's quite impressive. Whatever they do there in that small pink and uh, pink sweater clad organization is quite impressive. It
0: definitely is. And I I think, you know, quite frankly, it's only a matter of time until, you know, I think an Overwatch League uh you know franchise uh, from an organizational perspective doesn't try to make a play at getting you know flowervin a runner to to yeah. come over here um you know we were kind of surprised when flowervin was here for reveal when it was revealed that she wasn't actually going to be involved I mean, everyone said oh she totally is that makes a lot of sense and there's here all the i mean there was a laundry list of reasons why mm-hmm. so i i Again, I just wonder, I mean, that's not to suggest it's going to happen and I'm not going to suggest that that is the quote-unquote secret sauce. It's just, you know, right now, maybe it's coincidental that they've been able to take sort of two groups of players
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and and manufacture success. If it continues, there's no way others don't take notice.
1: Oh, no way at all. And yeah, more than half of the players in the Overwatch League are Korean, but how many Korean teams do we have? Like, Korea-based, only Seoul Dynasty. Mm-hmm. So if another Korean team is to form in Season 3, 4, whatever, well, here's a great, great structure of people who know what they're doing and and, and flower with their Insanely uh, great tr- track record. It's, it would be stupid not to look into that and to try and construct something out of there. Because essentially... Uh, contenders is nice, but yeah, if you want to really make it as a team, as a manager, as a coach, as a scout, whatever, the greatest talent will always fluctuate towards the Overwatch League. And I, and I can't see that remaining, um, only in contenders all the time, time and time again.
0: The one final thing that I actually wanted to touch on, and um, it has absolutely nothing to do with Runaway, it has absolutely nothing to do with the Overwatch League per se, uh, nothing to do with the Vancouver Titans. The price for Overwatch has been reduced. Like, not sale-priced, we're talking regular price. Now, one might suggest, well, Chris, this game has been out for how long? Um, it's about time that they drop the price, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't disagree... But just mm-hmm. to sort of give some, some basic pricing here, and it varies based on the different regions, but like the standard edition's 25 bucks, the legendary edition uh, is is 50. Um, but we're talking about a game that was previously priced at the AAA level that has now come down. Mm-hmm. Now, I think from a perspective of value, for that price, you're getting a game that continues to have more and more content added to it that doesn't cost you anything more you know, at well, at least at any point, I say that now and watch tomorrow. Blizzard announces Overwatch two or some expansion pack. But, uh, what's what's there to to read into that? Because typically, a price gets lowered on a product when either one, it's not selling, or two, uh, it's being replaced, or it's sort of reached its end of life cycle. I don't feel Overwatch has come anywhere near to end of life cycle. There's no indication that we're going to see uh, an additional pay for use addition to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and arguably, I think it's still selling, though. You could say, has it reached a saturation point? Like I would imagine everyone listening to the podcast right now owns Overwatch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a combination of uh, multiple factors. Like you said, it's already been a while since the game itself came out. And you know how they say, like, the the player base wears it around now. If you have, like, 50 million uh, accounts in Overwatch, the internet troll would be quick to point out that it's probably only 10 million people and each person on average has uh, three Smurfs or something like that. True. And, and Overwatch constantly has this, like, oh, this is a free weekend time. Oh, this is a reduced time, a reduced price. And I think what Blizzard is looking at here, they're looking at, okay, we're pulling out all this uh, great, because uh, Overwatch kind of operates as a gaming service, but it has this retail price attached to it. And they've realized by now with all the events and all the added content that by now, everybody who's interested in the game has already has an account, like the majority of, of these Uh, players already have this game Mm -hmm. and maybe by reducing the price maybe they will pull a little bit more people into the game who haven't really bought it yet who might be enjoying it on an occasional free weekend and they play with their friends uh but there's a lot of games out there and if you'll go to uh twitch slowly but steadily you see um You know, the Overwatch is uh, dropping, especially when when there's no uh, contenders or no uh, Overwatch League or no XQC streaming. Uh, (laughs) You can tell there's a lot of more popular games out there, and Blizzard is well aware of that. They need to. uh... Overwatch League is nice, but if you don't have the support of casual fans and the sheer numbers and the sheer uh, viewers that you want to be pulling in, and it is a business. I don't know if uh, it'll be uh, uh, still as lucrative or attractive for new investors to buy into that product.
0: You know, and you're right. I think it, you're you're bringing up really good points. Um, my opinion. I think the game's saturated. I think it's reached the point where everyone who has it, has it. Yeah. Um, you raise the point that they have these free weekends on a regular basis, and then occasionally there was reduced pricing associated to it. I think Blizzard has just reached the point where they've decided, okay, you know what? At this price point, it's it's not... Gonna sell. If we lower it to here, it might sell a little bit better. And ultimately, we'll make our margin, um, you know, based on uh, in-game purchases. So people buying the the loot crates in the hope that they, you know, get their next uh, uh, epic skin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it attracts many new players at this point. Uh, I, I actually wonder. If there are uh, that many new players out there. Uh, so ultimately, it just might be, it, it, not to say it's end of life, it's not. But it reach that point where, from a price perspective, lowering it was the only decision that made sense. What's I think just maybe uh, more indicative of that? There was no fanfare. There was no like, now get Overwatch 4. This much money. It was right. simply someone noticing that the price had reduced and it wasn't advertised as a sale price. Um, so, again, I would not be too worried. I don't think you're too worried. No one listening to this podcast is probably too worried. We love Overwatch as a game and we might hate Overwatch as a game sometimes too. Um, but we're all here passionate fans of the Overwatch League and hopefully the, the Vancouver Titans. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if they want to reinfuse, like bring in way more. Like buyers, they would have to bring out something big. It might be a big expansion, it might be maybe a single player mode, you know, a story. I think set. single player is it. Yeah. And they did mention that they were working on big features, social features. It might be like some of the rumors say, a guild system built in place. One thing to say, I don't know how much the player base has grown, but I, I'm sure that a lot of people who still play it regularly are really invested and really love this game, despite all the jokes and how toxic it is and how, oh, nobody's getting on the payload, people still return to this game day by day by day. And and Overwatch is an amazing game. It's so good, in fact, that when you have like five bad games and you have just one incredible game, it's so good. And people are so invested, whether it's the lore, whether it's the esports side of things. It's a community now, and it's an amazing thing that they have with Overwatch. They just, I guess, they're trying to bring in more sort of the new blood into the game. And, yeah, it should be something big if they're really hurting on sales. I guess they're not. That's why it's still, like, your average, like, your usual, oh, a discounted day, or, like, it's Cyber Monday, or now it's reduced price. If they'll begin really hurting in terms of sales that's when they'll try and push something really big into the game or who knows uh, what how long have we been from the release of overwatch i don't know maybe in a couple of years or maybe three years they will do this like big logo reveal of overwatch 2 or something like that <laughs>
0: overwatch 2 now with more Torbjorn. Um <laughs>
1: the perfect game
0: and I, you know what, you raised you a good point. Like how many times have we just been so frustrated to have that one great match and we're back? It's like, even to that point where you're like, I hate this game. Find match button, click. Like we, we are so invested that we just continue to come back.
1: It's like a drug, you know, it's bad for you. <laughs> yeah, give, 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 give me my hit.
0: Give me my hit. Exactly. Um, As we wrap up our our episode here, the uh, uh, eighth episode, I think we're at now. This is crazy. We're eight episodes in. Uh, I did tease that we had some really big news to share on uh, Twitter about Ready, Set, Pwn. And up until now, if you've been listening to us for a while, you've been listening to us on what approximately turned into like a bi-weekly podcast um, episode release, though. Uh, we had a couple spells where it was much longer than that. One was due to technical issues, uh, and the other one was because I got sick and it was the holidays. Well, that episode release uh, schedule, throw it out the window. It's no more. Starting next week, you're going to get a new Ready, Set, Poem podcast episode Weekly. That's right. We are going to transition to a weekly episode release structure schedule, you name it. How excited are you about that there,
1: Ani? I cannot contain it really. I'm super excited. So many things like starting to come in with the games. We are less than a month away. I'm it's hard to describe words really.
0: Yeah, I can I can feel the excitement just oozing out of you right oh, now. Yeah. Like it's it's so hard to contain. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that we are making a subtle tweak to our release. So up until now, the release of the Ready Set Pone podcast uh, it showed up essentially on a Monday. So on Monday, you checked your favorite podcast app, or you checked Twitter, or you went to ReadySetPone and you found your newest episode. Every two weeks, you did that. Well, now because we are transitioning weekly, we are now going to transition that Monday release to a Wednesday release. So what that means is you'll want to start checking as of Wednesday next week for your new episode and every week thereafter. Uh, A couple reasons why we have made that change. One, from a logistical perspective, it gives us an opportunity to review the weekend it was, especially as the season starts. And we can give you our perspective on what we just saw. Uh, We can share with you what we know about the Vancouver Titans, and we can give you a great springboard into the upcoming week's matches. I think from a a perspective of uh, people who might want to listen, it works out really well, but we are still going to provide you the same exclusive content. You can't find anywhere else right now. Uh, we are doing our best to, to dig up details. And, and as far as details are concerned, and this is something we've been talking about on previous episodes, it does look like there will be an official viewing party. Now I shared this in discord. Uh, I shared this on Twitter. I have counted at least five different groups trying to organize a viewing party. Now, obviously, I'm going to take what each of these five groups with somewhat of a grain of salt, because many of them like, oh, we've talked to ownership, we've talked with the organization, like the official capacity, we're going to be doing this. The problem is, is if there's three different groups working official capacity with the Vancouver Titans, and they don't know what they're, each three of them is doing, there's obviously some shade involved. In, in what I can tell you is that there is likely going to be one. Now, will it be the viewing party for opening weekend? I truly hope it is. But from our perspective here at Ready, Set, Pone, we're going to go and we're going to partner as opposed to do our own. Because at the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to go and have you choose us over someone else. I'm really big about bringing the community together. So when I know more, and that might be whether it's uh, the one that we're hearing, uh, the gaming is involved in, whether it's the one that we're hearing that the Vancouver Titans Reddit is going to be involved in, uh, whether it's the one that the Vancouver Titans are going to be involved in, you're going to first hear about an Ready set Pone. We will share that with you. The easiest way to get that information is being part of our discord. I shared the link earlier. It's bit.ly slash RSP discord or following us on Twitter. The main account is at ready set Pwn, And that Pwn is PWN for those that don't know but any final thoughts, words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners there on me?
1: Uh, let's go Titans. Let's get this party started. Let's get some tweets, some news, whatever they have. Uh, we're ready to hear. Hey, give me some odds. What are
0: the odds that we're going to have big news from the Vancouver Titans to talk about next week? We won't have two weeks time in between episodes. We're going to have one week. So what are the odds that we're going to have big Vancouver Titans news to share? 20%. 20%. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Twenty
0: percent. I think you're overselling it a little bit. I might maybe. have
1: I might have said like
0: ten percent. Oh, isn't that unfortunate that we're 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 somewhat despondent.
1: <laughs> that's me <laughs> the, the optimist.
0: The organization we love to support. You know, because you and I have said this, and we know the Vancouver Titans organization listens to the podcast, they're gonna go prove us wrong. They're gonna come out with like a partner Discord, uh Twitch streams, the the house, the preview, they're gonna have all this stuff. So maybe that's all we needed is to share such low numbers um as for some final words for myself again i'm i'm super stoked that we're transitioning to weekly episode structure uh i do hope that you tune in if you're a long-term listener you know we've been alluding to this as taking place well it now is if you're a new listener I, i continue to get people that say hey i've i've been following you and i'm you know talking to you for like over a month i didn't know there was a podcast well great thank you for listening hopefully you come back you know smash that subscribe button Tell your friends if you know people that you know love Overwatch, want to follow the Vancouver Titans. Let them know about the Ready Set Poem podcast. That's the greatest thing that you can do for myself and and Omni here and and Sam, our our other co-host who uh, uh, currently is living life in the void, but he is around. Trust me, he's around. Um, Give us some reviews. You know, five out of five stars. This podcast is okay. That works. (laughs) But uh, you know, we want to. We also want to improve everything that we can. We can provide you. So if you have any feedback. The easiest way to get that feedback to us um, anywhere, Discord, Twitter, you can email us. And the email address is feedback at readysetpwn.com. So on behalf of Omni, at Omni Strafe on Twitter, myself, Chris, at Lightforce on Twitter, and all of us at Ready Set Pwn, I'm going to leave you with two words. Catchphrase!